This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Shoei, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. I hope that you guys are doing wonderful, and I hope that this podcast finds you well. A couple really quick things. As always, I just want to say thank you so much to those of you who support this podcast on Podfan. Thank you again. I genuinely appreciate it. And I know the hundreds of people who are thousands, I should say, people that this podcast reaches also do appreciate the fact that you make it possible. So thank you. And then the only other thing I wanted to point out is that Butterfly Box, yourbutterflybox.com has been so incredibly generous and has extended the Tiana Shoei Bogo deal again, which means that if you go on their website, yourbutterflybox.com and you purchase a monthly subscription, the first month you get two boxes, two unique boxes. So you buy one and you get one free and then um, it's a minimum of a three month subscription, but you get two boxes that first month and they're unique and they're fun. And so I just want to thank them for their support of the show as well. So that's it from announcements perspective, other than if you go on to the website, made to conquer podcast.com under the merchandise, our good friend, Lena has put together some amazing sticker designs. And so we've got some new fun stickers up on the website, be the light, ask, seek, knock, make heaven crowded. They are really super cool. And so thank you, Lena, again, for continuing to do amazing work and putting those together. So if you guys want some fun stickers, those are available on the website. Again, um, actually, I, I in full disclosure, Lena actually purchased this last round of stickers. And so I'm just selling them just about at cost and going to reimburse her for her cost in this. And it, it's just tools that we're creating that, and, and I got to give the credit to Lena because they're all her ideas and her designs that we're creating just to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. So with that said, let's jump into today's episode. As usual, I like to give you guys a little precursor and then we pray and jump right in. So in this podcast episode, what I want to talk about is the fact that we're going to go through different seasons in our life as humans, as Christians, and it's really an interesting paradigm being a, what I would call dual citizen. (laughs) We have heavenly citizenship for those of us who have chosen to give our lives to the Lord and be covered by the blood of the lamb. And then we have earthly citizenship. What really kind of spurred this topic for me, it was twofold. First of all, I have been reading a book and I finished it last week and it's called Sensing Jesus by Jack S. Jack, Zach S. Wine. And it's written to ministers in particular, but what, what he's talking about in this book is just what it means to be a human and also a minister of the gospel. So that kind of that, that I understanding what it means to have dual identity, right? Or, or dual citizenship, I should say. So he does a great job of breaking that out. And, he, and he's really caused me to think a lot about what it means to be a human being, not negating the fact that we're a new creation. And that's a topic I've covered at length in other podcasts, but just this, this whole concept of settling into our humanity, who God made us to be and all that that entails as, you know, as somebody who's been called by the Lord. And then kind of the flip side of that is also just kind of this concept that, um, 
the Lord's just been teaching me about how he ebbs and flows in our lives and how sometimes I think as humans, we misunderstand how God is working and how he is moving. And it's really easy to look at our lives and go, well, God must be silent right now. Or am I doing something wrong? Or has something changed? And why am I not sensing God like I used to? And so I I just wanted to use this time, again, as a Bible encourager, not a Bible teacher, as a Bible encourager, I just wanted to use this time to remind us all, we're human beings, what it means to be human. We're going to talk about that in scripture. We're going to talk about the fact that the Lord appoints different seasons and times in our lives. And then we're going to talk about maintaining perspective. And we're going to look through some great examples of the Bible and through the Bible today of how how the Lord worked in different lot in the lives of different in the lives of different uh, Bible characters. So I'm excited about this topic because I think we all need to be reminded what what we need to be focusing on. I think it's really easy for us to sometimes look at what we call super saints and think, oh my gosh, if my life isn't like that super saint's life, then I must be doing something wrong. And that's not what the Bible teaches. And so we're going to look at what the Bible actually says about this and just be encouraged in our faith and be encouraged in our walk, where whatever season we're in. And I'm going to kind of peek over at my wall over here because at the, at the side of my desk on the wall, I have Psalm 23. What I love about Psalm 23 is, is it's really kind of everything we need to know as Christians, you know, first and foremost, that the Lord is our shepherd and that we lack nothing. Secondly, that he is going to lead us. He is going to be the one who leads us to lie down in green pastures. He is going to be the one to lead us by quiet waters and refresh our soul. He guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. And I love this because he says, you know, there are going to be seasons in life where we're going to be walking through dark valleys in verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then the next season, then you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And then I just love this. I just want you to imagine this. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what David walks us through are the different seasons, the different scenarios, the different situations we're going to find ourselves in, lying beside green pastures, still waters, having a table made before us, but dark valleys as well. And these are a normal part of the human experience. And as we go in and we look at the examples and the Bible stories that God has given us, we'll see that that just about every Bible character that has more than a few verses written about them, you know, the, the big, the big Bible characters all had seasons in their life and you are going to have seasons in your life. I am going to have seasons in my life and this is perfectly normal and we should not be discouraged by these seasons. And we, we just got to make sure we keep our perspective, maintain the right perspective and not compare ourselves to other people, but just compare ourselves, continually go back and compare ourselves to the word of God. So with that said, let's, open this time with prayer, and then jump right into talking about the different seasons that we live in as Christians. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. Lord, it is just such a rest for our soul to know that. It is just such a, a sweet place when we know that we can just rest in the fact that you are leading us. Lord, may we be lambs at your feet always looking to you lord not wandering not not straying not being distracted not being deceived but father just teach us to be the sheep that know your voice that hear your voice lord you say my sheep know my voice and lord may we just know your voice may we know 
the, the tap and the nudges of your rod. Father, may we just delight in the simplicity that comes with being a sheep and your shepherd and your flock. May we just know the joy that comes in knowing you are going to lead us. You are going to be the one to take care of us, Father, and that is your delight as our Father. Teach us, Lord, just to be in that safe space, to stay close to you, to, to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, we just thank you that we get the opportunity as the body to build each other up and encourage each other. And I thank you for this opportunity to come together and for me to use the gift of encouragement that you've given me and just to, to build up my brothers and sisters. Lord, I just ask that Holy Spirit, you'd fill me and that you would lead this conversation. Lord, may I decrease so that you may increase. <laughs> it's so easy to feel so inadequate, Father, and so ill-prepared or ill-equipped to do this. But Lord, I know every time I show up, you are strong in my weakness. And so I just ask that you would be strong in this time and that you would just reach the hearts and minds of those that listen to this podcast. Holy Spirit, that you do a mighty work in their lives. Father, and that they would walk away from this time just knowing, Lord, that you've spoken something unique and special to them in a way, Holy Spirit, only you can do. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for this time. And thank you for this technology and the ability that you've given us in this 21st century to connect and and hear your word in so many different ways. Lord, may we just take this and may it produce a crop in our lives. Lord, we don't want to be the the servant who took the one talent you gave us and buried it. But instead, Father, we want to find ourselves allowing you to create crops through our lives. Lord, teach us to be plugged into the vine. Jesus, you tell us apart from me, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we just say, Father, let us lose 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 sight of where you begin and we end. In other words, Father, may we be so connected to the vine that it just becomes such a natural part of our being. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our seal, our deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So just mark your seal over our minds and hearts in this time, Father. We love you and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All righty. So I've been trying to be a little bit more organized about how I present information here and stick to points and then kind of do a summary at the end. Hopefully that will help everybody follow along a little bit more. I tended, I tend, you know, I'm still new to this, you guys, for the record, I have no special education in communication. (laughs) I plain and simply just sense the Holy Spirit leading me to do this. And so I'm figuring it out as I go. And I appreciate you guys helping me figure it out as we go. And again, if you do have any stories, I, I, it's, it's amazing how this kind of ebbs and flows as well. I get a rash of stories where people write me and say, gosh, God's doing such great things in my life. Thank you. Uh, let me tell you these stories. And then sometimes I just get a bunch of questions. So um, I just want to I just want to encourage you and remind you that if you have a story you would like me to share with our listeners, I can keep everything anonymous. I'm happy to change names and locations like I've done in the past. But let, let us share your praise reports on on you know on here so that way other people get to hear and, and are encouraged. That's the whole purpose of this is encouragement. So the first thing that I wanted to point out and kind of the three points for today's discussion is, first of all, we're human beings. (laughs) The second one is, is that the Lord appoints different seasons. And then lastly, we need to maintain perspective on what is normal as far as our walk with the Lord. So we're going to dive into these three points. And then I have a couple summary action steps at the end. So we are human. As I mentioned before, reading, sensing Jesus really kind of helped me, helped me, uh, rethink that. And one of the things I loved about that is Zach tells a story uh, of a discussion he had with one of his seminary professors, who was also a a very, very um, well-known author. I I, I guess the way Zach described it is that this this particular professor's books were well-received and loved and respected. And so he asked the professor, you know, he said, um, 
he goes over to visit the professor and the professor says, yeah, that's fine. We come out into my garden. And so the professor's gardening while Zach is talking to him and Zach says, you know, why, why aren't you writing more books? And the professor looks up at him and says, well, because I like gardening too much. And, you know, basically what, what the professor was teaching Zach is not everything in our lives is always about the spiritual. And in other words, don't get me wrong. The spiritual is, is so important, especially when God has called us to do something, but God also made us creatures of this planet. And so just as a reminder of that, I wanted to go back and read Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw that he, that he had made and God saw all that he had made and it was good. And there was evening and there was morning in the sixth day. And so later, you know, in, in Genesis chapter two, we kind of get a zoom in on that one particular passage where God talks about taking the dust and breathing into it. And he says specifically to Adam, you know, here are the animals go name them. So our initial purpose before the fall was was to play with animals, frolic with animals. Have you ever noticed that you have, I, I don't know a, a human being alive that doesn't have some sort of desire to like some sort of animal. Not everybody likes every animal, but I'm fascinated by all kinds of animals. In fact, this past weekend, we got snowed in in South Carolina, which is a kind of a big major deal because we don't get a lot of snow. So if, if it's bad enough, it can be days before we can get out on the roads. And we've I've been here uh, since I've been here for years and, and there was actually one year I was here and we had an ice storm that was so bad that people were without power for 10 days. So it's kind of a big deal when we get snowed in. Well, my husband and I, and, and I had my niece and nephew with me over the weekend. The Lord was really sweet. Um, knowing that I'm a barren woman, he, 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 he locked me in the weekend with my niece and nephew. And it was really fun experiencing the joy of the snow with the little kids. I tell you what, I just, as I watched them play and frolic and just be innocent children, it, it, because I don't have that to relate to as a, as a woman without children, I can see so much how the father just loves, loves it when we are just like that with him, where we just trust him and we just love the things he gives us and frolic and play in it. I, I can see how that brings him so much joy. But anyway, as we were out walking around our yard, we were tracking animal tracks. And so we found bunny tracks. We found raccoon tracks. We found coyote tracks. We found little bird tracks. Those were cute. We found deer tracks. And so it was really fun watching and seeing the different wildlife that that lives on our property and getting to experience that kind of through the story they tell as they make, you know, fresh, fresh little prints in the snow. So I say this to say that this is a, this should be natural to us. We should love nature. There should be a part of us that remember we were designed for Eden. <laughs> we were designed to, to take care of the animals. It was after the fall and after the flood, that humans were no longer vegans. If you, if you listen to what I just described, what God basically said is that all animals and all humans were vegans. We were, we were designed to just eat plants. <laughs> 
And then after the flood and after the, after the fall and after the flood, then humans started eating animals. And that's when the animosity between animal and human exists. And, and that's actually documented in, in the book of Genesis. So I just wanted to start off by reminding us that we were designed for Eden. We were, hum- were human beings. And that was by God's design. Now, as, as a new creation in Christ, our sin nature is replaced, but we're still human beings and we still have been put on this terrestrial earth for a purpose. And we should never lose sight of our humanity. It can be, it can be difficult to understand this as du- with dual citizenship, with our heavenly citizenship, as well as our earthly citizenship, but we should never lose sight of our earthly citizenship, even once we gain our heavenly citizenship. And then I just wanted to kind of remind you guys that what happened when we sin, the consequences of that and where the state of humanity exists now. So if you just go over one more chapter, Genesis chapter three, verses 16 through 19, the Lord reminds us what the cost of sin is to the woman. He said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe with painful labor. You will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you to Adam. He said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat plants of the field By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it, you were taken to dust from for dust. You are and to dust. You will return. And so what God is saying here is, okay, you no longer get access to the tree of life. So you're going to go back to dust, but you will toil the rest of your life. And for, and for man, that's toiling the earth and for woman, it's toiling in childbirth. And so this simplistic, beautiful life that God created for us is temporarily put on hold until the Bema seat until we get rewarded. And so we're now in that kind of in-between stage. But I did just want to remind us that that because we are human, there's toiling, there will be pain in this life and emotions and emotions are normal. So I want to kind of go through some of the emotions and some of the things that we're likely to experience as we go through the different seasons in life. And that's going to kind of be the next point are that we are going to walk through different seasons. There will always be a toiling with us, but some seasons will be green pastures and quiet waters. Other seasons are going to be the valley, the darkest valley. (laughs) So I love this story. And I just wanted to share the story for you because I think sometimes it's easy to lose perspective on you know, when we have those seasons in our life where we feel like the Lord is distant or we're going through something challenging or the Lord is taking us through a growth period or he's disciplining us, it's easy to feel like uh, this, I must be something wrong. And, you know, my walk with God should be all roses and butterflies and daisies and flowers. No, there's always going to be a peace with us, but that doesn't always mean that it will be easy. So I love the story from the book of first Kings about Elijah, because this sums up what it means to be human. So, so nicely. So starting in Elijah, or excuse me, first Kings chapter 19, we're going to get the story of Elijah kind of hitting rock bottom. But before that, I want to paint the picture of what happened to Elijah immediately preceding the story I'm about to read. So in first Kings chapter 18, we have the story. And if you haven't ever read this, take the time to read it because it's a great story. We have the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And if you don't, you know, just kind of the 10 second version of this is Elijah calls together all the prophets of Baal. Now, mind you, Ahab and Jezebel are the king and queen of Israel at this time. And they're extraordinarily evil. And Jezebel has brought all these, all these uh, pagan gods and pagan, pagan priests into the kingdom. And those are the prophets or the priests of Baal. 
And so what happens is they set up a big wood altar and Elijah says, let's see whose God is real. Whoever burns up the altar first wins. So he taunts the prophets of Baal all day long. Come on, come on, shout louder, shout louder. And they, they, they yell and shout till exhaustion. And then they said, okay, it's not going to happen. This is going to catch fire spontaneously. So Elijah, knowing who he serves says, okay, I want you to take mine and I want you to dig a big trench around it. And I want you to put so much water in it that everything is filled with water. So there will be no question at all that it is divine, divinely devoured. And so they do this. They fill Elijah's trench with water. The wood is completely soaked with water. Elijah prays God sends down fire and completely destroys the altar, proving that the God of Israel is the one and true God. And so immediately after this, Elijah puts to death 400 of these prophets. So he kills them all. He basically says, eh, your God's fake off with your head, which was the right thing to do because Elijah was ridding the land of evil. And so after, after this, then there has been a famine on the land and God allows Elijah to pray and bring, bring it into the famine. So there's a small rain cloud that shows up and Elijah sends a servant seven times. And, and finally at the seventh time, the, the, the servant comes back and says, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist. And Elijah says, okay, the rain's coming. So he runs to go tell Ahab that it's going to rain. And then Jezebel finds out that her prophets have been murdered. And so Jezebel, so this is where we start the story. So mind you, these two major, huge miracles have happened. First of all, the burning up of the altar. And second of all, the cloud, the rain coming after the famine. And so now we have, you know, now we have this, now we have this story pick up where Jezebel finds out about her prophets. And so she says, starting in second Kings chapter, excuse me, first Kings chapter 19, verse two. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. And so in other words, if I don't kill you too. And so Elijah starting in verse three, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a brown bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under a bush and fell asleep. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like the, the striving, the, the very, the very proclamation that God gave Adam as the punishment for his disobedience to have you ever felt like that has led you to the point of saying, I'm just done. Yes. Elijah actually got to the point where he was so depressed that he asked the Lord to end his life. Take my life, he says. And then starting in verse at the second part of verse five, all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate, drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb on the Mount of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. So I just want to remind you that God's solution to Elijah's depression was a nap and a snack. <laughs> God took care of his physical needs. He, he understood that part of what Elijah was dealing with was physical exhaustion. And so how does God address Elijah? He gives him food and a nap. Sometimes the solution to our problem is as simple as a food and a nap. Now, obviously there are times for prayer and, and the opposite of that, right? Prayer and fasting. But my point that my point in this story is that it's normal for the toil to catch up with us. There are times when God says, it's time for you to take a vacation. It's time for you to have a nap and a snack. It, this is part of our humanity. And I think sometimes it's easy when we're 
living in the spiritual realm to forget that we also still indwell a body. And there will be times God asks us to deny that body, not just from a sin perspective, but from a prayer and fasting perspective, like the story of Esther. But there are also times when God says, Elijah, kid, your life is not terrible. Here's some, here's a snack and go take a nap. And I also wanted to just point out, you know, going back to stories, I want to point out the story of Jesus and his extreme emotion. So in Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw from them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you were willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus experienced extreme emotion. Emotion, remember, we were created in the image of God and emotion is part of the nature and character of God. He tells us, I am jealous. I I am delighted. We see God's emotion coming through the scripture. And if you ever read, if you ever read the Bible, just with the intention of picking up God's emotion, he talks a lot about how he feels about things, what he thinks about things. And so for us to have emotional reactions to things is part of being made in the image of God. Now, what we do with that emotion is really important. And that's why we have the book of Job, because Job also felt like Elijah. Why was I even born? I wish I wasn't even born. Why, you know, what we see in the book of Job is the story of Job confessing his emotion to God and God deals with it. And, you know, what I love about the book of Job is, is if you read through the book, if you read through the book, and I just got finished reading through the book of Job and kind of my, my devotional time. And what's so powerful about the book of Job is we have chapter after chapter of Job and his friends, Job and his friends kind of going back through who comes in at the end and kind of sets them all straight. And then after that, the Lord speaks. So we have 37 chapters of Job and his friend. And then finally in chapter 38 and 39, God answers. Well, I should say, I should say actually 38 all the way through 42, God answers Job. And then in 42, Job finally responds. And do you know how God answers Job? Brace yourself like a man. And I will question you. And you'll say, answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Did you watch the doe? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the South? In other words, how God answers Job is very simple. And I just kind of picked a few nuggets out of, out of those chapters where, where God is speaking to Job is simply, I'm God. <laughs> I'm God. I, I have everything in its place, everything in its order, everything in its timing. God's answer to Job wasn't, this is why I walked you through this. God's answer to Job wasn't, you know, Job, you did this and that's, that was a consequence of this. God's answer to Job was, Plain and simply, I am God, which is, by the way, the same thing that God said to Moses in the burning bush. I am. <laughs> and there, that is that should be a comfort to us that all we need to know as we are going through the toil, as we are in the dark valley, is that he is the I am. That is the beauty of the book of Job is it is God's God just, he paints this beautiful picture of his majesty and his splendor and his might. And he's saying in summary, I am the I am. I've got it all under control. 
I, I put everything in its place and in its appointed time, and there's nothing under heaven and earth. There's nothing in all of creation that exists that is not overseen by the I am. And that is, and that was all Job needed. And then Job's like, you know what? You're right. You are the I am. Who was I to question that? And so that's the beauty of the story of the book of Job. And I just want to remind us through the story of Elijah and, and Jesus that feeling emotions is normal. We are human. Second of all, the Lord has different seasons, different times for different things. And so I love this chapter from Ecclesiastes chapter three. And Ecclesiastes is, was written by Solomon. And in Ecclesiastes chapter three, Solomon says this, there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Mic drop. (laughs) Seasons are normal. Things will ebb and flow throughout our life. And as we go through this and as we acknowledge our humanity and as we learn to be terrestrial creatures with dual citizenship and as different peaks and valleys occur in our life, we should rest in the fact that God, knowing that God has a time for everything and that he is the I am. And if you ever struggle, go back and read those last few chapters of Job where God speaks to Job and sit and hear those words for yourself because they were written to you as much as they were spoken to Job. And then lastly, I just wanted to talk about the fact that we need to maintain perspective on what our walk with the Lord is going to be like. It is 98-ish, and I say ish because this is, I'm just making up a number, percent, just go, just, just being faithful day by day by day. I think sometimes it's really easy to read the stories of the Bible and see this magnificent display and splendor of God and think that if if we don't have the visions or the dreams or see the supernatural in our regular life, then maybe something's wrong with us. Maybe something's missing. Or maybe you've had seasons in your life. I've had this happen to me where I've had seasons in my life where God was speaking to me. Just, I had a couple supernatural encounters and, uh, you know, I could just, I sense the Holy Spirit saying, I want you here. I want you doing this. And then I've had seasons where, where I've just sensed him saying it's time. It's just, it's a rest time, Tiana right now. And, and I'll give you an example. Back in May of 2021, we went on a family vacation. The Lord told me beforehand, it was as much a mission trip for me as it was a family vacation. And I spent a, a good majority of that time, the Lord just doing things through my life. I, I led a couple of people to the Lord. Um, he used me to encourage some people. I mean, it was just a phenomenal vacation. This last time I went to Mexico, my parents took me down, my, my husband and I down there for my 40th birthday. And the Lord wanted me to do nothing other than rest. And he made it, he, he put me in a position where I could do nothing other than rest. Let's just say my body was not, was not doing everything it should have done. It was fine. I was, I wasn't sick or anything. I was just dealing with some things that, uh, that forced me to lay down and do nothing. And the Lord said, Tiana, here's a snack and take a nap. <laughs> and it's easy to say, gosh, am I doing something wrong, Lord? Um, you know, because I love this saying that whenever there's a distance between us and God, he's not the one that moved, but sometimes 
what I think is a distance is actually just God working in my life in a different way. You know, sometimes I get so used to God working in my life in one way that when he starts working in a different way, I, I miss him. And so one of the beautiful journeys that we're on as believers is learning to sense where God is leading us in the different, by the still waters, by the green grass, through the valley of death, regardless of where we are, sensing where he is, what he's doing, and understand that he's going to speak to us and move in our lives in different ways. Just because he, he changes the way that he's working in our lives doesn't mean he's not working. He's always at work in our lives. Always. This is a promise we hold on to all throughout the scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11, Romans 8. Uh, you know, these, these are God's promises to us. And so we can rest in those promises, whether we feel it, whether we see it, whether we understand it, we can rest in knowing that he is constantly leading us. He is there. And so whatever season of life you're in right now, whether it's one where the Holy spirit is moving powerfully or one where he's just taking you through rest or one where he's saying, all right, kid, I'm going to, I'm going to take my rod and I'm going to, I'm going to pop you in the bottom a few times because it's time to get some things straight in your life. Wherever you are, whatever season you're in, whatever time you're in as Ecclesiastes breaks it out for us, take comfort, rest in exactly what God told Job. I'm God. (laughs) And so I just wanted to talk about some main Bible characters and remind you that their lives were mostly made up of the everyday stuff. And so let's take Joseph, for example. Let's start with Joseph. God used Joseph in a powerful way. God used Joseph to save all of the people of Israel and surrounding people. So if you remember the story of Joseph, God, God, as a young boy, gave him two dreams, the stars bowing down and the, and the grains bowing down. And so he goes and tells his brothers, they sell him into slavery. He goes into slavery. And then after doing a great job in Potiphar's house, gets raised to running Potiphar's house until Potiphar's wife lies about him. Then he gets thrown in jail. And all throughout this time, all Joseph had to go on, according to what the scripture records for us, is two dreams that he had many years ago. I think it was, I think he was 30, he was, he was like 14 years old when he was sold into slavery and 30 when he finally became the ruler of Egypt. So 15 years, somewhere around that period of time, and, and I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty close to those numbers. He was a teenager and I know he was 30 when he began ruling in Egypt. He had two, two, two dreams that the Bible records for us. Now he interpreted the dreams of the, of the Egyptian um, uh, prisoners, but two dreams is all the Bible records for us. And so we don't have, we don't see any, anything other than those two dreams in Joseph's life. And yet God used him to prepare the way to save the lives of, of most likely hundreds of thousands of people. We don't know exactly how many people were alive in that time. Then let's take the, the story of Moses. The first 40 years of Moses's life, he was living in the in 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 Egypt as a royalty. We have no we have no uh, discussion of encounters with God at that point other than where his sister saved him as a as a young baby, which is something that Moses most likely knew about but would not have experienced himself from memory unless back then babies could remember what happened to them at that age. We I don't know. The world has changed a good bit since then, so maybe he does remember it but not likely. But it's after he turns 40, when he kills the Egyptian and flees into the desert, that God has his first thing or that Moses has his first real encounter with God. And that's the burning bush in Moses's entire life. We have three examples of powerful encounters with God, the burning bush, when he goes up onto the mountain to get the commandments and laws. And that happened twice, because if you remember the first time he came down the golden calf, he threw the tablets down and went back up. So we will call that one. We'll call that one, even though it happened over to, you know, two. And then the last one was when, when Moses pleaded on behalf of the people, because they had broken God's law. Again, three powerful encounters. We have it written down 
for Moses is like, no, God spoke to Moses, just like he spoke to other prophets, but only three powerful encounters. And in Moses's life is broken into three 40 year periods. His first 40 years while he is in Egypt, the middle 40 years while he's in the desert. And this is when he gets married and has the burning bush encounter. And then the last 40 years of, of the people wandering through the desert. And if you remember, Moses dies at 120 years old on Mount Pisgah, right before people go into the promised land. And so in all that time, apart from just the daily leading that God gave him and spoke to him, go to Pharaoh, say this, we only have three major encounters with God. Let's talk about one of my favorite Bible characters, Daniel. I love the book of Daniel. I I have read it many, many, many times, and I will read it many, many, many times over. Daniel's only 12 chapters. And it's, 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 you know, when we look at the life of Daniel, it, you know, by the time we get to Daniel, you know, men really only did live to be about 80 years old. So it's not like Moses where he lived to be 120. In, in the book of Daniel, if you look at the actual kind of powerful visions that Daniel was given, we have, you know, he interpreted a couple of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. He interpreted the handwriting on the wall from Belshazzar. But really for his own miracles, he himself was a part of the den of lions. Now we also have the story of Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. So Daniel witnessed that, but he himself wasn't a participant in it. So we have the lions, the vision of the four beasts, the vision of the goat and the ram. He has a vision after he's been praying and a final visit. So all in all, five major encounters over an 80 year period of time, approximately for Daniel's life. That's it. And I, again, I say this to say, sometimes we look at these, these stories and we think, gosh, they were having visions every day and God was doing all these powerful things. Ezekiel is one of the few who we see him having multiple visions over and over again. But what's fascinating about the book of Ezekiel is a lot of the visions that Ezekiel had still haven't come to pass. I, and, and I'm not going to get into this because this is another story for another day, but Ezekiel chapter 38 still has yet to be fulfilled. And many Bible scholars believe what we're seeing happening right now with Russia and Iran and China may be the forming of Gog and Magog, which is prophesied about in Ezekiel chapter 38. That's way above my pay grade. Um, but I, you know, these Bible teachers, as I watch this and I see these things happening, Ezekiel chapter 38 on still are future events that have not yet happened. And so, you know, Ezekiel kind of was unique in that. But if you read Ezekiel's life, he had to like lay on his side for a very long time. He had to cook his food over poop. So he, I'm, he's not one, I'm not saying we should not aspire to be prophets of God, but I'm saying I'm not necessarily going, God, I want the life of Ezekiel. <laughs> I love Ezekiel and I love the book of Ezekiel. It's one of my favorite books. There's some amazing, powerful sections, you know, chapters in the book of Ezekiel. But I say that just kind of laugh because, you know, how often have we read the Bible and thought, I've never had a vision. I've never had a dream. I've never had this. Something must be wrong with me. But when you actually boil it down and look at the, the lives of the Bible characters, the vast majority of their life, day in and day out, was filled with just normal stuff, just the normal seeking of God. And the other thing that I, I wanted to, to point out to you guys is that the that these, these visions typically came with a cost. And so Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter three, he passed out. He fell face down when he was given his first vision. And then an angel actually had to pick him back up. Daniel was so troubled that he turned pale at the end, after his vision with the four beasts in Daniel chapter seven. In Daniel chapter eight, after he had his vision with the goat and the ram, he said he was exhausted for days. So 
you know, it, the, these, these visions typically came with some sort of physical reaction. We see this documented for us when Jesus healed the boy that was, it, that we had the demon that the disciples couldn't heal. So Jesus and Jesus, James and John are up in the mountain transfiguration. Meanwhile, a father brings a boy that has convulsions, something probably similar to seizures, throwing him into a fire. The demon possessed the disciples can't cast him out. Jesus comes down, casts out the demon. And it says that the boy looked dead. He was laying there dead. And so Jesus had to, they kind of had to wake him up and get him up after he was healed from that miraculous encounter. So we, we, we see sometimes that these interactions and encounters with God can have a physical, a physical ramification. Daniel and Ezekiel both, both described this kind of exhaustion and overwhelm. Moses's face glowed. <laughs> his face glowed so much that he had to keep a veil over his face after he went up on the mountain because of the time that he spent with God. So it's, you know, again, there, there's, there's, there's a, I, I say this to say that our humanity can't always handle <laughs> everything that God, that, that comes with an encounter of God. I can tell you that in in one particular instance where it wasn't a vision, it wasn't a dream, but where God's presence just overwhelmed me, I was, it was overwhelming. It was, I still cannot use, there are still not words to describe what that experience was like, but it was, it was the most intense form of love and, and wholeness I've ever experienced in my life. And it, 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 it was overwhelming. And so I, I wanted to just kind of bring out when our humanity, you know, collides with God's, you know, um, div- divinity, that it can have a physical implication on us, which might be, and I don't know, God doesn't say why he keeps his visions and dreams very rare on in most cases, but it might be why it's very rare. But here's the other thing to remember, you know, again, is going, going through this, the book of revelation, 22 chapters of a book, one single vision, one single vision. The book of revelation was one single vision. And the book of Acts occurs over approximately a 32-year period of time. It's easy to read the book of Acts and think you're like reading like five years, like the apostle Paul was just on fire for five years. No, it was a 32-year period of time. So I think sometimes when we read the Bible and we read these stories and we see what God's doing, we're reading you know, the highlights of hundreds, thousands of years of lives. And we can read those and think, if my life doesn't look like a Bible, a Bible story every single day, something might be wrong with me. But I want to tell you, their lives didn't look like Bible stories every day. <laughs> they were dealing with the humanity that we deal with. Moses pooped. Jesus pooped. <laughs> Jesus farted, you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry to, to be vulgar. And I'm not trying to be vulgar, but I'm trying to say we're human beings and our day in day out lives, God created it this way. And that's why I read that passage from Ecclesiastes. You know, there's, there are there are times in the seasons and there are going to be times when you're going to sense God's presence powerfully. And there are going to be times when you feel like he's abandoned you, but he has not. And this is, these are just the normal ebbs and flows and seasons and parts of being a human being. Don't despise it. Delight in it. And so we are humans there are seasons for everything and maintain perspective on how God works in your life. And so in closing, I want to give us three different kind of takeaways. So the first takeaway is don't compare your life to somebody else. Don't compare your walk with God to somebody else. 
one of the things that I have always feared, and this is something that, you know, this is, this is kind of the, the song and dance that I do with this podcast. Part of me gets so excited when I see how many people download and listen to this podcast. But the other part of me trembles at this idea of celebrity Christianity, because I'm no different than you. I am no different than you. I have the same, I'm made from the same dirt. It is God's breath in me that gives me life. You are made from dirt. It is God's breath in you that gives you life. We are all on the same playing field, starting from the same place. Sinners saved by grace. The only difference between us are the unique personalities and the gifts and the callings and the purposes that God has placed on our lives. But our value is no different. Just because God has a different purpose and a different calling and a different use for us doesn't make our value any different. And I think if we get into the bad habit of looking at celebrity Christians and thinking, oh my gosh, if my life doesn't look like this, or if my mega church isn't this big, then something's wrong with me. And, and I think it's such a dangerous thing to look at things like numbers of followers or numbers of congregants and think that that equals success. Because I can tell you right now that Noah spent a, you know, he had 120 years from the time that God said, flood's coming to finishing the ark before the water came and only eight people were saved and the animals. That's it. His entire life, you know, 120 years spent toiling over the ark. I shouldn't say his entire life, but 120 years to save eight people and the animals. But that was not insignificant to God. Whatever purpose he has for you, whatever calling he has for you, it's he's the one that defines what is successful or not, not us, not numbers, not followers, not celebrity dumb. I, I almost fear how, how celebrity, how the world's value system and celebrity status in general has seeped its way into the church and made us think that the more followers somebody has, the, the more God has anointed them. That may be true in some cases, but that's not always the case. We're going to be very surprised, I think, when we get to the Bema Seat Judgment, which is where the rewarding, I should say, the rewarding ceremony, the Bema Seat rewarding, which comes from the Greek word in the New Testament that's used to describe Jesus's rewarding ceremony of, of his followers. Mind you, there's two different judgments. There's the white throat judgment and the Bema. And the word judgment is a bad word to use for Bema. It's a rewarding ceremony. Now, we, we will be judged according to what we did with what we've been given, but not judged by our sin. Only those who have not been covered by the blood of the lamb will be judged by their sin. Those of us who've been covered by the blood of the lamb, our sin is as far as the east is from the west. That's what the Psalms tell us. Now we get to, so what did you do with what I gave you? And so, you know, in that time, we're going to stand there. We're going to go, we're going to look at some mega church pastors and we're going to see, oh, they, they actually didn't do what God asked them to do. And, and it just happened to be that they were successful, you know, for, for non-natural, supernatural reasons. We're going to, I think we're going to be surprised. And this is why Jesus, there's a beautiful story in the gospels of the widow who puts her last thing, coin to live on. And Jesus doesn't highlight all the people who are giving all their money and all the people who have apparent success, but he highlights what looks to be like an unsuccessful person, a, a poor penniless widow who gives her last penny. And what does he say? He says, she's the one that we need to follow her example. Remember that Jesus came to break the, the way that we think as humans. He came to say, no, 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 no. You guys look at these things, but God looks at this, these things. His ways are not our ways. I don't look at prestige and power and wealth and all of these things. I look at humility. I look at poverty. I look at those who are willing to, who are willing to love at any cost. The good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, the point about the Good Samaritan was not only that was the Samaritan an enemy of the Jew that was injured, but the Good Samaritan stopped what they were doing, stopped being important, stopped, because remember, it's on the road. So the Samaritan was headed somewhere, stopped in the direction that he was going 
to give aid and care for one of his enemies at his own expense. That is the kingdom that God is building, not the kingdom of, look at me, I'm so important. That's not God's kingdom. And so I'm not saying mega churches aren't of God. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we can't adopt the world's value system in judging our walk with the Lord or somebody else's. So don't get in the habit of comparing your life to somebody else's. But here's my point number two, get in the habit of comparing your life to the word of God. That is the measure that we should be using. That is how we should be checking in to say, Father, am I at your heels? Am I in your flock? Am I listening to your voice? My sheep know my voice. Am I where I need to be? What do I need to be doing in order to be in the place that you've called me to be? So number one, don't compare your life to somebody else, but keep your eyes on the word of God and compare your life to the word of God, because that's the measure that we should be using, not somebody else. So use the Bible to continue to take your temperature and ask the Holy Spirit to continue to take your temperature. Father, where have I strayed? You know, it's been interesting. I've gone through dry seasons and I call them dry seasons, kind of in quote fingers in my walk with the Lord. And sometimes it's been because God's like, Tiana, I just want you to take a break, honey. Just have a cup of tea. I love you. <laughs> go, go, go put your feet in the sand and just enjoy nature. And there are times, you know, I'll walk in my backyard and, and I just, and I just sense God saying, I just want you to be in Eden for a minute. I just want you to enjoy this planet that I made for you. Listen to the birds. Look at the little animal prints. Just enjoy what I gave you. Yes, it's broken. And this, this isn't your final destination, but it's not all gone until I finally destroy it. So just be human for a minute. And, and, you know, and that's okay. And then sometimes he's saying, you know, Tiana, you remember when you used to fast pretty regularly and you sense my presence more part of the reason that, you know, you haven't sensed me is when was the last time you, you sat down and spent some time deep in prayer with me or fasting. And so sometimes the Lord just does nudge me a little bit and say, you know, I haven't, haven't, haven't had you just come sit at my feet for a while. You you're in your routine and you do your quiet time, but when was the last time you just came and sat and talked to me for a minute? And I, and, and you just let me have some time of yours outside of, you know, my little block that you give me. So, you know, that's where not comparing ourselves to other people, but comparing ourselves to the word of God and staying in that place where the Holy Spirit's allowed to speak to us is really important. So that's number two, compare yourself to the Bible, not other people. And then number three, stay faithful in the small stuff. Don't, don't, don't get distracted. Don't let the day-to-day things in life keep you distracted, keep you from remembering this is God's plan. You're supposed to wake up. You're supposed to go to the bathroom. You're supposed to take showers. You're supposed to eat food. These are the things that God created as a part of our humanity. This is normal. And don't despise those. In the book of Zechariah, we're told, do not despise the day of small things. But also, I love this from Hebrews chapter 4, seven, verse 7. God, again, set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This moment right now that you're listening to this, this day, this hour was created by God. Time is a created element. The vast majority of our life is going to look really human. (laughs) And that's okay. That is how God designed us. And so I just wanted to take this time in this episode today to encourage you. To encourage you if you if you're in a season where you feel like what what's happened, and maybe maybe you do need to move closer to God because remember if if you sense that God is distant, He's not the one that's moved. 
And maybe this is a time for you to not compare yourself to other people, but to get in the word of God and say, you know, my life isn't looking quite like the scripture said it should. And lastly, just enjoy the day, be present. And one of the things that I loved about sensing Jesus is he talks about the fact that, you know, the day is broken into three different parts. We have the morning, we have the afternoon and the evening. And I learned in that book to break, you know, make a habit of having my morning time with God, my afternoon check-in with God, and my evening check-in with God. Break your day into those three categories, morning, afternoon, evening, and just check in with him in those three parts of your day. He created time. He created this space. He created your humanity. And just be human before him. I I don't talk about it a lot on this podcast because I, you know, try to make this about us as a body, but I, you know, I've got some, I've got some physical issues that, that cripple me a few days out of the month. And, and it's, it's very hard. It's very challenging. It's very painful. And in those moments I am, I can do nothing more, but be a broken human at the feet of my father and just say, daddy, (laughs) this hurts. This sucks. I don't like this. I don't want to be here, but for whatever reason, this is part of my journey, part of what you've put in my life. And I just, I trust you with this. You are God. (laughs) you know, like I said, the last few chapters in the book of Job. So whatever, whatever season you're in, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, I just want to encourage you to just continue to keep your eyes fixed on him, continue to draw close to him. Don't be discouraged by the dark seasons, the quiet seasons. Don't compare yourself to other people. Only compare yourself to the Bible. Continue to check in with the word of God, with the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, hey, God set a certain day calling it today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Be, be present. Be in the day. That's why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. You, can't, you don't even know tomorrow's going to be here for you. You can't change the color of the hair in your head by willing it. Obviously, this is pre-hair dye, but you know what I mean. You don't even know how many hairs you have on your head. God does. Just rest in that and rest in these seasons and, and just appreciate the fact that God has made us terrestrial beings and it's okay. It's okay if you have different seasons and different different aspects in your walk with the Lord. So I just, uh, let's go ahead and, and close up. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope this encouraged you. If you feel like sometimes your your walk has gone up and down and sometimes you feel like Elijah, I just, I'm done, Lord, <laughs> to take a nap and eat some food. And, um, you know, even Jesus sweat blood. So it's okay to be human. Just congratulations. God made you in his image. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You made us earthly beings, Lord. We have broken bodies, and that's part of the consequence of sin. But sometimes it's easy to look at our broken bodies and look at this broken world and feel like you're not there at all, but you are there. In fact, the fact that we have breath in our lungs uh, is just evidence that you are there, that you hold all things together. Lord, you are God. And Lord, if we've lost sight of that, please just remind us of, of what it really means that you are the Almighty. Elohim, El Shaddai, Yahweh. Hmm. What a blessing it is to be your child, to be a sheep in your flock. <laughs> Jesus, we just, we don't even know. We just can't even, we can't even comprehend. And we just see, we have a, we only see in part, we only know in part, we only understand in part. But Lord, we just rejoice in the fact that you are constantly guiding us. And so Lord, I just pray that you would teach us just to be patient, content, and filled with your peace in whatever season of life we're in. And Lord, if we've strayed or if we've wandered, Lord, please use your rod and nudge us back teach us to hear your voice and and recognize you moving in the different seasons and the different ways that you move. Father, you are wonderful, mysterious, a little bit weird, silly, uh, 
serious. <laughs> Lord, you are you are just you are beyond our comprehension. But Father, you've you've given us a glimpse into those parts of you you want us to understand by making us in your image. And Lord, may we just delight in all those different things that you've given us and in our humanity. And Lord, may we just learn to to be dual citizens that have a good understanding and a good appreciation and respect for our citizenship. Father, just fill us with your spirit. Use us, Lord, and, and help us to be a light to the world, Lord, that's struggling to understand what it means to be human and under the lies and the deception and the weight of the enemy. Father, we just love you and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So be encouraged, my brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes on the good shepherd. He has a plan. He is not quiet. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. You're just in a season. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family, anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.